You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 190 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. Andy is getting the overtime in, isn't he? Just recently. <laughs> I, I think work. he's secretly. I think he's secretly trying to get these chaos nights finished for the weekend. Yeah, he's, just more he's cramming. <laughs> I bet he is actually. I bet he is. Um, oh yeah, it's only a week away. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So um, on this week's episode, Jay, you've got a very exciting battle tome in your hands. Oh yes, the new Sylvaneth Age of Sigmar Third Edition battle tome. It's been a while since the Sylvaneth got a battle tome, and uh, it was definitely worth the wait. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's been a while since you've done a, um, an Age of Sigmar um, Battle Tome review. You, for a little while, you'd kind of fallen out of love with the game. And then we had a, a tournament, didn't we? We played some games and you were fully enthused in. And then the stars aligned and you got this Sylvanus book like exactly when you needed it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was. It was a team tournament, wasn't it? I was using the uh, Luminef and that was a great event that was. Um mm. So, yeah, I am actually, um, I don't think I played Ezra Sigma again since the tournament. So what's that, about a month and a half, two months ago? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely need to get the um, Sylvan effort onto the battlefield, I think. Nice. Yeah. So Jay's going to be taking us through some of the, the key bits of the book a little bit later on, discussing what he likes, what he dislikes. Um, for this week's top three, we're gonna, top three, we're going to keep it Mortal Realms. Uh, and we're going to ask the question, where would you go on holiday in the Mortal Realms? It was a hard one this week. <laughs> it was a hard one. This, this was an obscure one, a little bit inspired by the fact that um, we are now in Gallet or Galais. My, my uh, pronunciation not mm. not spot on. But apparently it's a horrific place filled with like spiders and stuff. So I thought there must be better places in the mortal realms we can go and visit. Well, you would hope so. You would hope so. Um, so that is going to be this week's top three. We've also got the community top three picks towards the end of the show. Uh, and we've also got all of this week's uh, news and pre-orders and things like that uh, to chat about as well. So lots and lots to chat about. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. And I'm going to start us off this week because I've kind of let the side down, unfortunately. Um, since the last podcast, the, the main thing that's taken up my hobby time is another battle tome. It wasn't Sylvaneth. It was the Skaven. So um, I frantically um, got a review written for that. We, we did get it a little bit later than we would like to be sort of comfortable getting it. But, you know, I got the review out. I did the video. I really enjoyed reading it as well. Um, we're not going to talk about it on the, the podcast, but I have done a, as I've just said, a written review and a video which are available to to read and watch on spruceandbrews.com. I'll put the the link in the podcast notes as i always do um but in short it's a good codex um it, they haven't really introduced anything new a lot of it is like the old book tuned for the new edition some stuff's been buffed some some stuff's been sort of you know nerfed a little bit um but yeah it definitely feels like a slight rewrite rather than i think jay with your like seasons of war and stuff there's quite a few new bits and pieces added yeah um, it, a big um a big sort of change around for the sylvaneth really um lots of lots of changes so not not really just a, a third edition sort of update it was quite a substantial um revision really for the sylvaneth yeah so not not quite the same treatment for the skaven but 
I still love the Skaven. I think it is still a, a good battle tome. I'm not going to say any more than a good battle tome. I don't think it's going to be winning uh, all the tournaments under the sun, but I've already seen on sort of Facebook groups people are uh, making lists and stuff um, based on kind of like our reviews and other people's reviews. And I would also cl- say that Clan Pestilence looks to be um, back in the spotlight a little bit. I think there's quite a few good builds going on uh, theoretically uh, at the moment with those guys. So um, it is a good book. I can't wait to, to actually have a game with them um, and to try the book out. So that's taken up most of my hobby time. Um, aside from that, I have been uh, ripping apart my geek room. So it's probably one of the reasons I haven't uh, actually painted anything. Um, at the moment, I'm sitting in a very uncomfortable position because my new desk isn't set up yet. Uh, as Matt said before the show, uh, before we hit record, I'm surrounded by Warhammer. I'm sort of crammed on a little desk. Uh, it's not ideal <laughs> at all. But um, that's taken up quite a bit of my time. But I have got a, a bit of a plan for the rest of the week. Um, I've got my list together for the doubles um, that uh, we sort of teased at the beginning of the show that's coming up this weekend. It's a 40k doubles. I'm taking Death Guard. Um, I actually noticed I've got one, one Death Guard Terminator to paint and a few bases <laughs> to do. So um, that is my priority this week before carrying on with the Orlocks. So, um, yeah, I need to get those based and finished ready for the weekend but I, I love painting death guard they're one of my favorite armies to paint they're, they're, they're really really cool uh so yeah that's that's me uh matt what have you been up to so it has been an incredibly busy week we've had six videos i think up on saturday I think I did five of them, but I can't really remember because it was just a blur of editing. Um, so I've been working on all sorts, but they're, they're all up now. Um, and I've been working on some Ash Waste Nomads because Book of the Outlands, the latest source book for Necromunda, is up on pre-order games, which are very kindly sent as a free review copy alongside the new Watari Stormcaller. So this is a specialist choice for your Ash Waste Nomad uh, Warland gang. Uh, and he is like a shaman who can control the weather and make sandstorms come, reducing visibility. He's really cool. He looks ace. He was a bit of a dog to build, if I'm being honest. But he's <laughs> built and he's painted. And he was he resin? He's yeah, fully resin. So yeah. they're also up off on pre-order. I think get one but also at the same time is the bounty hunter character rocket launcher lady on the back of the oh, yeah, quad yeah. now the quad is plastic and it's resin upgrades for that and i i think i maybe assumed that this would be a similar situation where you'd get the plastic frame for the helamite and then the guy would be on top no no the helamite's a different sculpt and um kind of pose to the, pl- to the plastic ones which is cool it's a little bit bigger but You've got lots of spindly legs and little itty bitty arms and stuff to, to deal with. So definitely take your time on that one because it is a little bit of a challenge, but it looks amazing when painted up. So he's done. Uh, I also painted up a with the entire warband bar, the, the riders in like a day yesterday. So that was fun. Uh, and then the day before that, I painted up my Chaos Knight for the, t- uh, the doubles event. So, yeah, it's been a busy one. But now um, I've got to decide what to paint next. I have got. Um, Cabanda primed oh, yeah. and ready to go however in just over a month we've got the Horus Heresy event so I need to either paint the handful of models I've got left for my sons of Horus or the handful of models I've got left for my Empress children more realistically 
both of them and then decide the night before which army I'm taking. I'm thinking <laughs> maybe Emperor's children. No Primarch, more bodies. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. I can't yep. wait for that event. It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. So it's gonna be it's gonna be the third uh, company, which is all about um, uh, sonic weaponry and heavy weaponry. So I am bringing all the guns, guns, lots of guns, to quote uh, Neo from the Matrix. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are gonna have an absolutely awesome time at that event. Uh, Jay, how about yourself? What have you been up to in the hobby this week? Well, um, so. Um... I've been like really conflicted this week because there's so many things that I want to be painting. And obviously there's only so many hours in the day. Um, so on the Horus Heresy side, <clears throat> um, I've got some uh, reinforcements for the Imperial Fist. We had our first game at Warhammer World um, a few weeks back. Um, and after speaking to the uh, designers and speaking to Matt and having a couple of games under our belt and another flick through the rules, um, made a couple of changes to the Imperial Fist army. So I've, I ordered some um, autocannons um and some mark three tactical marines so i'm currently building a um heavy support squad and i this is you're gonna you're gonna really um um tell me off here because i have the fafnir ram model that i am converting up to be a imperial fist castellan Ooh, interesting um and he is joining the army um so he's really cool he makes the um heavy support squads line um in the army all the heavy sports squads line actually which is interesting if you want to go heavy sports squad heavy <laughs> um <laughs> i've also <laughs> been planning the blood angels army that will be the next taurus heresy army that i uh, build uh hoping to get that built and painted before the end of the year and i'm hoping to, uh, to try some different paint techniques on that so i've been watching a few youtube videos um is it richard gray i think he's called mm. beeman rich on twitter he's posted some really good videos in the last couple of weeks of um, painting uh, different legions, Imperial Fists, Blood Angels, using a sort of um, stippling effect. Um, but the end result is fantastic. Um, so I've ordered a bit of equipment to do that. Um, I've got some um, cool dry brushes, Artist Opus dry brushes to use. Oh, nice. Um, I've got my paints. Um, the only thing in my shopping basket that I need to order is a wet palette. And then I have built my Plastic Contemptor Dreadnought from the Horizonte box set. And that is going to be my, it's probably not a good one to try it on, but I thought I'd try it on this Contemptor because it's not really in my list. So if it goes wrong, it's okay. I'd rather go wrong with a plastic Contemptor than an actual Contemptor that I'm going to be using in the Blood Angels Army, the Drop Contemptors. Um, so the idea is to follow um, Richard's tutorial and try and get that Blood Angels Dreadnought done with a stippling effect and see how I get on. Um, and then, you know, that, that means then I'll be able to apply it to the vehicles and things like that. Yeah, um, that's cool. I've heard good things about the Artis Opus um, dry brushes. They're supposed to be a proper bow, to quote the kids. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll see. So it's just trying to find time in the schedule now to do that because, um, like Dave and like you guys, really, um, I'm trying to get my army painted up for the doubles event um, this weekend coming. Um, so I obviously I've been working on my Elatic Eldar since the Codex dropped earlier in the year, uh, but not quite got them to 1,000 points. Um, so this is the final push to get them to a thousand points. So I've built and painted up a squad of striking scorpions. They're ready to go. Um, I'm currently working on the fire dragons, who I think will be quite easy to paint actually, because they're predominantly one color, which is which is nice. The striking scorpions were a bit fiddly. Um, so yeah, try and get the striking scorpions done, and then I've got a few pieces to finish off on the guardian squad, mainly a few highlights and the helmets, and then the army will be good to go. Then a thousand points uh, to ally with Dave's Death Guard. The um, strange alliance there but you know <laughs> the eldar are quite fickle um 
But that's not all. I have also got the Necromunda bug. So I couldn't talk about it on the podcast last week, uh, but uh, now I can reveal that I've been painting up some of the Ironhead Prospector squats for Necromunda that Games Workshop kindly sent us. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that we were going to the Age of Sigma, uh, the, sorry, the 40k doubles event at the weekend, I would be painting squats now because they are really nice models. So Matt's done a great review of the all the new Necromunda releases, and you can see images and stuff on the on the website. But the squats, they're really really nice models. Very chunky. The detail on them is perfect for painting. Really enjoyable models to paint and build. You get eight of them in the box with a variety of different heavy weapons and special weapons. Um, and they just look so cocky. They just look, honestly, they're like out of a Warhammer comic book, I think. That's the kind of feel I yeah. get from them. There's, there's uh, nice little nods to the kind of like 80s squats, isn't there? Yeah. But, the, the, but keeping it with the with the current 40k aesthetic. So the, the armour is very much the same as the Gene Steeler Colt armour because they'd be mining and stuff. So there's kind of parallels, but then touches of the old school as well, which I think makes them really nice. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed painting these guys up. Um I um, we're at Warhammer World on at the weekend, so I'll be picking up. Um, well, I hope to pick up the data cards from Warhammer World, and also um, uh, one of the um, the vehicles, the uh, Ridge Runner vehicles. Is it Ridge Runner? What's it called? The Ridge Hauler. It's a Ridge Hauler. Ridge Hauler. Yeah, one of them, I think. And then Dwarf of Fire Up. Um, Dwarf Fire Up. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, so I, it's a really nice vehicle, and I've seen some really cool pictures of it online this weekend. Um, and I think I could um, I can I can make that look quite quite dwarfish and quite bright orange. Some squats are quite bright orange, so it'll be nice to paint a big vehicle bright orange. I think like a JCB, won't it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so it, it, it's cool. So obviously, once I finish painting these Eldar, it, it, it's going to be uh, back onto the Imperial Fist and the squats. I think to get them ready. So Imperial Fist by the end of July and the squats just because I want to get them done because we're starting our Necromunda campaign. We're going to go to our club night tomorrow and have our first introductory game of Necromunda. I've never played it before get used to the rules, uh, and then start our campaign proper. Really, really excited to play this now. I think the squats have um, really sort of motivated me to, to start playing for, a bit of Necromunda. For, for ages, me and Matt were the only ones in this gaming group that wanted to play Necromunda. So it's great to have you on board, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really worried. I mean, uh, Warhammer Community today teased some more of the Leagues of Votan, and I don't know if you're going to cover that in the news today, Matt. I am absolutely covering that in the news today. All right, today. so we'll, we'll cover I just I hope they're not too soon because <laughs> that, that that would just throw a right curveball. Oh, I've, I've got a feeling they're soon. I mean, spoilers for the news, but I've got a feeling they're going to be very soon. Yeah. I mean, um, we'll talk about it in the news, but the images that I saw today were the first time that I'd actually gone, ooh. Have you seen ooh. the names of the weapons? They're so cool. <laughs> they're very terrible, aren't they? Ion weaponry and stuff. Anyway, because we're completely we're completely ruining Matt's new seg- segment yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> um, excellent, excellent. Can't wait to see um, such a nice scheme you've got on those squats. Make sure uh, you check out those article at uh, that article, folks, and um, CJ's painted squat so far. Uh, that brings this introduction to this week's podcast to a end. Um, we have got the silver net to talk about a little bit later on, but we're going to take a pause and come back with all of this week's news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we have got another pretty chunky week of pre-orders. We've had a few chunky weeks of pre-orders recently, and uh, next week's no exception. The headline event is Codex Chaos Space Marines. So obviously the Force of Chaos have been full, you know, full by the wayside a little bit with their, their, their single wound, and they became a bit of a meme. Yeah. Well, now they have got their brand new Codex 
uh, all sorts of goodies are going to be in here. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I've got a um, a word bearer army, more of a combat patrol really. It's kind of a just over a thousand points, I think, in old money. Don't know how much it is in the new book. Um, and I've got I've got a lot of Chaos Space Marine boxes that I'm very tempted to build up as Black Legion. I think it must be the Horus Heresy that we've been playing recently. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I'm going to paint the rest of them as Horus uh, Horus Heresy. I'm going to paint those as Black Legion. Then I've got a Black Legion force. And a, I think, uh, word I think Black Legion will be cool because it, it looks like the Black Legion are going to be a, a focal point of the uh, narrative for a while with yeah. uh, Abaddon relaunching that sort of... Um, assault from the is it back, back to vigilus um, yeah and it's always cool to i think to, to be building and painting a, a faction that's sort of being talked about a lot at the moment so that's it and i've never really painted black armor so i'll be a nice little push my hobby mojo kind of thing as well so it'll be is interesting a... because you've got all the gold trim so you know yeah black armor like black templars it's quite easy just to layer on the black and and then the um the different highlights and shades and things but with the black legion You've got that gold trim to figure out. Although you've got a cool trick for paint trim, aren't you? With a is it with a sharpie you use? With a sharpie, yeah, with a sharpie. Yeah, so you dead might easy. Be all right, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I might even. I don't know. We'll have a play. More more on that as I come to it. I might even do a little series like Dave's doing for his uh, town. Cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, more on that. Uh, so that is thirty-two pound fifty. Alongside this is unfortunately not all the awesome new Chaos Space Moon releases, which makes no, me sad. It's a bit odd. It is odd. Maybe they're maybe they're coming a little bit later. Maybe things shifted round in the schedule. Maybe I don't know. But all I do know is that I want those beautiful possessed and the weird cultists and the cool kind of cultist HQ choice. It's uh, but that, all about that demon prince, Matt. The, the demon prince is December. Don't forget. So that is a while off. But the imminent releases. Um, hopefully they're only a few weeks out and they're not like months out. Uh, but we do have Combat Patrol Chaos Space Marines. This looks like a pretty good box. It's ninety pounds. It contains a squad of ten Heretic Astartes. Now this is the full multi-part kit, not the uh, kind of single pose kit that was in the old uh, stock collecting box. You get five Havocs. You get a Dark Apostle with his weird little Cortis acolyte things, and you get a Hellbrute. Like you've built one of these recently, Dave, haven't you? I have. It's uh, even though it's an old kit, it's still it's still a very nice kit, I think. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good pretty good set for um, ninety pounds. You get all the stuff that you would need in a box. Again, arguably maybe not as suited for multiples but then i think they're moving away from that for these combat patrols you get this is the core of your army then add to that so that seems pretty cool there are also dice and data cards priced 24 pound and 19 pounds uh, i think there's an awful lot of data because 121 apparently i guess you've got all the legion specific stuff in there um we've also got combat patrol gene stealer cults i want to say that we saw this like last year end of last year maybe and it's been a long time coming. Uh, this Ooh. is an incredible combat patrol. You get two squads of ten neophyte hybrids. You get five acolyte hybrids, which you can also build as metamorphs. You get five abhorrents. And you also get a magus and a goliath rock grinder, all for £90. That is very good. Yeah, this is one of my favourite combat patrols. Uh, if I ever go back to Gene Steeler Colts, this is a, an amazing way to build up your army. Yeah, and again, this is a good one for multiples as well, really, because you always need all of those troops' choices. The Magos, yeah, you probably get rid of duplicates of her, but the the Rock Grind is definitely a better 
in kind of box choice than the Ridge Runner, which was in the old box. So mm. if you've got that old box as well, two of them together will give you a decent starting army. So that is really cool. For Horus Heresy fans, the Age of Darkness rulebook is now available separately. That is £42.50. They're also, guys, doing a limited edition, which is leather-bound style with um, <laughs> metal corner protectors in the same style as the original black box for the Horus Heresy. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. That is pretty tasty. I don't have a price for this, but I'm <laughs> expecting black book price. We're talking 18 90 pounds. I am very tempted by this because those black books looked gorgeous. It'd be nice to have the new rule book to match them. Mm. Yeah, it would look nice. So that's cool. We've also got Mark VI Tactical Marines, a box of 20 of them for £42.50, which again is another bargain. We're talking, what? what's that, £24 just under for uh, 10 Marines? That's that's pretty good value. Now, obviously, these are less poseable than the, the other Mark armors that you can get. I prefer these, though. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to have a look at the frames yet. You get duplicated frames of five, then you get a command frame in there. Um, and they go together really quickly. And obviously, they're compatible with the new special and heavy weapons. Mm. Um, the thing is, though, you buy two boxes of these at, what, what's that, £90? You're halfway th- to the price of an Age of Darkness box there, aren't you? I, I, I do wonder if that's the uh, the reason why the Heresy box is so you know low. Because if you're buying a lot of this stuff anyway, you may as well just buy the big box and get a Spartan in there as well. Spartan, 10 Terminators, a Contemptor. Yeah, <laughs> I so don't. It's it's good to have the option, isn't it? If you if you just want to build some special squads and heavy squads, this is like forty two pound fifty. That's great. But if I was buying like forty of these, I would be tempted for an extra ninety quid or well, less than that for an extra like fifty quid from Element Games. You could get yeah all that stuff that you've just listed, Jay. Yeah, it, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, you, you can't complain. It, it's a great position to be in, really. Um, but no, no, I haven't built any uh, Mark Six. I mean, I'll be honest. With me Imperial first, and I was a big fan ever since the Horus Hosty first went of the Mark III. The sort of, I think the Mark III, it looks a bit retro and a bit like not as high tech as the 40k equivalent power yeah. armor, and I like that because it's 10,000 years old. I always thought the Mark IV and Mark VI looked a bit more high tech. Having said that, you're right, these models are fantastic, and I like the fact that they're they're sort of semi-posable. Well, they're not really posable, or they can turn the heads around in different directions and things like that, but I, I don't mind that. It allows them to create some really dynamic-looking models once they're put together. Uh, I've said the yeah. same in the past about the Dark Imperium Primaris Marines and stuff. Um, what I have been thinking of doing, though, is picking up some um, Blood Angels helmets. Now, the only mm. thing that's making me sort of hold off on this is that we've had the um, Sons of Horus, Imperial Fist, and um, Dark Angels now resin upgrade packs for the mm. Mark VI armor. And certainly with the, with the Dark Angels, I noticed the helmets... They weren't really beaky helmets, were they? They were like more like sort of grey knight, black templar looking helmets. Yeah, like crusade, um, yeah. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see. I'm a, I'm assuming at this point that every legion will get a set like that. Um, so it's whether I hold off because I'm not I'm not building the blood angels tomorrow. So I can't afford to wait a few weeks and see whether there's any blood angels. Otherwise, I was going to shove the um, the resin um, blood angel helmets on, and they're a bit. I think they're 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 um, described as Mark IV helmets, but they're not really Mark IV. They're more flat panelled at, at the front. I, I think they might look quite nice on the the Mark VI helmets because you've not got the uh, trim, have you, on the Mark VI shoulder pads and there things is like that. Zero trim on the on the yeah, shoulder which pads. Is, yeah, which is which is nice. Um, 
so yeah, I'm I'm really sold on the Mark Six, and you've got the advantages there as well that all those upgrade the weapon upgrades work on the Mark Six, which is cool. Uh, yeah, and and I guess you've got all the the in-game upgrades as well, so the bayonets, the chain bayonets, course, the various yeah. Nuncio Vox, uh, Vex, and they're all that kind of stuff is on on the frames. And you also get quite a lot of options for the uh, the unit leader as well, power swords, plasma, all sorts of stuff. So there's some. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but it, now people have started to get their boxes and have started to build their models. I've seen online lots of cool little, like tiny conversions of the Mark VI Marines. Uh, people put their own spin on it, and you know, for the different legions, it's really, really inspiring to see what people are doing with the sets. It's really exciting. It's really hard not to order another box and start doing these world eaters. Oh, world eaters, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. The because I think Mark VI world eaters with chain bayonets that look brutal, blood splattered on them, they look amazing. Yeah. So yeah, so so yeah, so these guys uh, are up for pre-order. As is Grigor Felhand, uh, the guy who's definitely not Bjorn the Felhanded renamed. Um, he was originally in the Burning of Prospero box. He's available separately now for nineteen pounds. Also available in that box, I want to say, was the Praetor and Chaplin in plastic, one in Terminator armor, another one in power armor. Well, artificer armor, I guess. Uh, these are a little bit pricey, thirty-two pound fifty for the two. Oh, of them. I don't, I don't think they were in that box, you know, Matt. Were they in the original? They uh, were in the Kalf box, I think. Kalf box. Yeah. Either they're way, in the they're, they're really good models. I, I've got them in my Sons of Horus, and they, they look really, really good. So, yeah. um, if you've not already got that box, there. I mean, we've got the problem is we've got so many Praetor and um, this is it. Of, uh, this console is options yeah. now in plastic. It's it's hard to pick a favourite, so what I would say is look at all the various options because consoles alone must have what ten or so profiles within the book. Yeah, and, uh, and this you can is easily use that... some of those Praetor models, can't you, for them if you want to? Yeah, and this is you know you, you, when we've we've had a bit of experience with the game now and and looking at and there's some really really exciting console options I think you know uh, with some nice tricks and, and things. Like I said, I mentioned the Imperial Fist Castellan, uh, Space Walls in particular. You talked about um, Felham there. There's, there's loads of Space Wolf options. Yeah, yes, they're really, really cool. Uh, and then finally, we have got uh, Sons of Horus and Imperial Fist dice. Now, dice for all the legions were available in Warhammer World when we went a week or so ago. Um, but I think they're slowly repackaging them in the new Warhammer the Horus Heresy branding. So, Well, these are new dice, actually, Matt. Are they new dice? Yeah. Um, they're like a translucent sort of dice, whereas the Imperial Fist ones I've got a bright, solid yellow. Well, like maybe these are replacing those current dice. Um, yeah, I know the Sons of Horus ones are very similar, but um, they are twenty-five pounds for twenty of them, including a scatter dice, which is always useful. Uh, which Jay rolled many, many times to yeah. the <laughs> So yeah, so lots of cool pre-orders. But there's been some exciting non-pre-order related news that has dropped today, and I've been in a conference all day, so I've only seen these like ten minutes before uh, we started recording. But uh, Warcom showed off an entire squad of half-kin warriors for the Leagues of Votan. And I've got to say, these guys just look amazing. Uh, Jay, as resident dwarf expert, what are your thoughts on these chaps? Uh, chaps and chapesses? We've got a, a mix yeah, you've got a mix there. there. Well, yeah, and I'm trying to tell, because in the little blurb that they put up alongside these models, they mention the Iron Kin, which are like the, the robots that, that, you know, the dwarfs see as equals the dwarfs. <laughs> the Leagues of Otan see as equals, really, if you've read any of the previous Warcamp articles. And some of these um, some of these Herfkin have, have got, like, fully enclosed helmets and bionic limbs and things. I'm, I'm trying to 
look closely to see, are there any ironkin in this box as well, fighting alongside the uh, the hearthkin? Well, uh, there's some interesting ones with fully, like, dome heads, isn't there? Exactly, yeah, if you look at some of the legs. Um, but, oh, I mean, what what I think they've done a really, really good job, if we just talk about the background first, how they've been sort of drip-feeding the lore. I don't know about you guys, um, I was worried at first that these would be a very slim in terms of the background and the, the, the narrative. Um, and I, I, I wondered, oh, is it, is it going to take a couple of editions of the Codex to really flesh out the background? But I don't know about you, I'm really excited. From what I've read so far, I'm actually, I'm thinking this is, they've really fought hard about the background for this faction, how to bring them into the to the current setting. Yeah, I mean, they look, they, they look incredible. Law's been really interesting. I, we've talked about a few times on the podcast of there's surely going to be some conflict with the Imperium here. They've got robots walking around. You know, they probably name. That wouldn't go down very well with the Adeptus Mechanicus, would it? Naming a robot. No, there's going to be some cool Admech versus Votan battle reports. Yeah, oh, there is. Cool. Oh, there cool. is. Uh, let's yeah. talk about some of the weapons. Now, they mention things like plasma axes. We, we think we see a plasma sword on one of the there's characters. There's an axe as well. Yeah, you do see an axe too. And a knife. Oh. Nice. So so these are, um, I guess, better than power weapons. I don't want to say a lightsaber, but I think lightsaber, where it's a controlled beam of plasma put into a shape. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It, it, it is. And that, uh, yeah, what I like, we were just talking about this before we started recording, all of the different weapon names, L7 missile launchers, Etacom plasma beams, Magna rail rifles. They've got their distinct weaponry and armory. You know, they're not using heavy bolters, stubbers, bolt pistols. These are this is a distinct set of weaponry. And you can see it's 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 quite human-ish. You know, it wouldn't look out of place on a primary space marine. So it's got that link back to humanity in there in the sort of design aesthetic of it. But it's their own arsenal. Um, yeah, some of like the weapons similar... I think look very um, Infinity in, even um, from the Infinity range, Corvus Belly. Do and there's like it's as if it's the same concept but gone down a different evolutionary path yeah um, and yeah rail rifles as well by the look of things yeah that's with the one of the dome ones um what i really like as well and it, this is just a dwarf for me i think they've got hammers axes there's like a a boar sort of um runic sort of totem over the top of i guess that's the squad leader's backpack uh, on the side of the pistols and things they've got like dwarven runes <laughs> so cool well, Jay, I, I've got a theory, and I've run this by you. We have got, I'd argue, 10 distinct-looking models with different things, like there's a guy checking a readout on his thing. There's there's some with fully domed heads, some with hammers attached to the back, one with a backpack attached to a head, one with a little kind of like uh, kind of <coughs> rope grabbery thing attached to the belt. Almost as if this could be 10 different unit options for... Let's say, for example, Kill Team. Oh. Now, recently, recently, we saw some images of the Karskin for the Imperial Guard, who also could potentially have 10 unique scorps for the purposes of Kill Team. Could we see Karskin versus um, Half Guard, are they called? Half Kill Team Box. Half Kin. Kill Team Box. Where I think the it's a very good Imperium. Show comes across these and we have a little skirmish but then there's a mutual alliance afterwards <laughs> little skirmish yeah people will probably die but <laughs> that is that is what i'm suspecting at the minute and that would be very cool and me and jay would probably be rather excited at the concept of such a box existing 
I forgot, you know, I mean, we're getting carried away here with the, I mean, I, I hope you're right, man. That sounds like very feasible. Um, I completely forgot about all the new Imperial Guard stuff coming as well. So, mm. oof, yeah, I mean, it would be strange. I mean, you wouldn't, I guess that would be a good way for them to set these up in the law, wouldn't it? Straight away, we've got a conflict with the Imperium. Straight away. Yeah. Guilty in the first out league of a, and I think that would be cool. It'd be so easy for them to put them in a box with some Xenos or some Chaos, you know, which you'd expect them to be fighting. But that, I, I think, I think you're right. The more interesting relationship is going to be between these guys and the Imperium. And if they can start playing around with that straight away with a kill team box, that, that's great, isn't it? I mean, that sets them up then for future conflicts, invasions, counter invasions, sieges, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Well, I was just thinking, obviously, where we are at the law at the minute. The, the Space Marines are defending the the, the um, Nackman Gauntlet because Abaddon's passing through it. He's on his way through to um, the R side of the rift. So arguably, if there was rumours of a highly advanced technological force, can the Imperium really afford to send some Space Marines? No. They'd send an elite guard unit maybe to scout them out first because if they die, who cares? And I wonder if that's the framing that then introduces a squat... Um, launch box maybe further down the line oh I hope you, it, it sounds good sounds sounds very very promising that does my yeah i might be completely wrong yeah we don't know anything but it would be cool uh, i would yeah. like that yeah i think that would be that would be cool um because i mean i don't i don't know what other codexes we're gonna expect to see in the next 12 months imperial guard leagues of otan and then who else really demons maybe but I'd, i wonder I wonder if demons will be further down the line. Realistically, is Votan in guard next? So again, stands to reason that they're going to be in the next um, kill team box because again they tend to be quarterly and tend to have the factions that are released around that time as well, don't they? So we shall see. We shall see. But that'd be very exciting. Um, yeah, these are really cool. We also learned a little bit about the new shades today as well. So seven new shade paints to supplement the existing range. These are reformulated shade paints. I don't know about you guys. I'm looking forward to giving these a bit of a try. They Apparently they use a lot of the same properties as contrast, but tweaked so that um, it really just runs into the recesses and doesn't really stay in the, the flat surfaces, um, which is kind of how I use contrast at the minute. So this will be quite good. I think more like inks maybe than shades. I don't know. We'll have to have a proper play with them when they come out. But there's some cool stuff in here. Soul Blight Grey looks like a good one for quickly painting things like um, White Scars, Jay, you've oh, been yeah. toying with as well. Um, similar similar to the uh, Apothecary Grey, but if it doesn't stay in the, the kind of raised surfaces, that gives you clean up the power armour and stuff, doesn't it? You could even use on yeah, on uh, White Scars or World, World Eaters, Matt. Yeah, or World Eaters, yeah. So... Looking forward to having a play with these. And obviously, as we mentioned last week, the existing shades are being reformulated to to have those properties as well. So, yeah, I, they they can't be too far off. I think they said July pre-order for those. Is there, so. a, is there a, an orange shade? It used There's, to be Fugue and Orange, wasn't it? So all the, all the existing ones are staying, and these are going to be in addition oh, to the okay, shades. Cool. The only thing that's been removed are the gloss shades because it probably isn't compatible with the the medium that they use right yeah so yeah so i'm looking forward to you to try these out it's it's another thing in your toolbox isn't it mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to trying them out some really nice shades some really nice contrast paints um i really fancy that, that really light blue shade 
that looked really cool and like a frozen sort of look. I was thinking like on ogres or night haunt. Well, yeah, they could look good on um, blue. skeletons, Dave. Like a uh, Raffle Lich King. Yes, they would. That's yeah, a very good show. That, you know what? That's something I've wanted to do in the past as well. Kind of like glowing internally blue. And again, previous paints, you kind of stay in the surface. You probably need to touch them up again because I know it says they don't stay in the surface. These images are, oh, I've got a tint to them, haven't they? But I guess yeah. none of the tide marking that you get with contrast sometimes. So, yeah, interesting ones to play with, I think. Excellent. Uh, some really, really cool stuff uh, coming soon in the news. I forward to getting my hands on some of that. Uh, that brings us to our main segment this week. We're going to delve into the Wildwoods for the Sylvaneff Battle Tomb highlights. So we'll be right back. So, Jay, you have got the latest Sylvaneff Battle Tome. Um, how about you take us through some of the some of the highlights? Oh, I, I really love this battle tome. Um, there, there's not many Age of Sigmar armies that sort of really um, excite me. Lumineff being the, primarily the, the, the main one. Uh, Sylvaneff is the other one. And this book has really, really uh, excited me as a Sylvaneff player. Um, so like like all of the sort of third edition books, um, it's sort of been um, revised in that. Um, your command traits and artifacts are not restricted now to your different sub-factions or the cool glades in the Sylvaneff book, uh, which is nice, I think. That was a good change, I think, for the Age of Sigmar 3rd Edition Battle Tomes. It gives you a lot more flexibility when you're, you're building your army and building your characters. You might like the flavour of a particular sub-faction, but then you, there's some, you you miss out on using all those nice artifacts and uh, command traits. Um, so, yeah, so so all of those sort of Age of Sigmar 3 sort of updates we've seen in the Battle Tomes apply to, to the Sylvaneff as well. Of course, we get the Path to Glory section as well, which I'll, I'll come on to in a bit. Um, but firstly, I think I've talked about this previously on the podcast with Sylvaneff, where for a faction whose main sort of character is the goddess of life itself, um, I always felt that they didn't really emphasise the sort of healing and life sort of theme in the army. Okay, there were a few spells that healed units and Alariel had a few things you could do to heal units, but otherwise that was it. I always felt like Nurgle did it better. And Nurgle's mm. like the god of death and decay. Yeah. Um and I and I guess regrowth, but suffice to say, the Sylvaneth book is packed full of rules, abilities, mechanics, spells that heal and return your models to the army, which I just think is brilliant. That's what a Sylvaneth book in my head should have always been. Um, there's lots of ways to to heal units like i say from spells even the allegiance abilities places of power um which used to you used to pick a single um, piece of terrain on the battlefield which would be a place of power and you'd get a leadership buff around it no no no, not anymore now you choose free terrain features on the battlefield um, that are wholly outside enemy territory and these features are classed as overgrown terrain features which i'll come on to shortly and basically, at the start of your hero phase, you can heal one wound to all friendly Sylvaneff units that are wholly within nine inches of those terrain pieces. <clears throat> That's a big uh, bubble, isn't it? Wholly within nine inches of three pieces of terrain on the board is a, a fair bit of coverage over the board. Every what is it? Every one of your um, command. Every phases. hero phase. Every yeah. hero phase. And and there's other abilities in here that that you do that sort of heal over time effect. Um, and then you've got spells. I think there's about three or four spells that heal and restore wounds to your army. Um, and then on top of that, you've got units like the um, Revenant Seekers, which are the, some of the new um, bug riding sort of cavalry unit that can zip around. And each one of those units can sort of heal another unit as well. 
Um, and on those sort of bug riders, they they if they do damage in the turn, they heal again to full health. There's so many healing mechanics in this book. It, it's really really cool. It's a very very strong mechanic in, for the army, which which is what you'd expect from a force of life. Mm. Um, so I was happy about that. Um, speaking, especially... of, speaking of healing, Alariel has got a bit of a, uh, a trick <laughs> as well, hasn't she? Yeah, she's cool. So um, she's had a few changes actually. Alariel has, and she's gone up in points as well, which I think a lot of the units sort of gone up in points in the new new versions of the battle tomes. Um, but yeah, she um, uh, once once you've killed her, so the enemy kills her. Uh, you can basically um, choose to roll a dice in your hero phase at any of your turns, subsequent turns, um, and there's a chance that Alario will just come back to life with eight wounds remaining. What? So you're basically getting two Alariels. Well, she heals 2d6 every every um, hero phase, every one of her hero phases, and then, yeah, you kill her in turn one, she's probably coming back in turn four. Um, she's still got to summon him, so she can summon units in. Um, she's a wizard lore master, so she knows all of her spells. Um, she's got a really cool um, ability called Right of Life, which basically once per battle, you can just activate this Right of Life and every terrain feature on the battlefield counts as an overgrown terrain feature. Um, so overgrown terrain features, what are they, I hear you ask? So if you've been a Sylvaneth player since day one, you'll know that you've painted up tons of um, Wildwoods, then you painted up tons of Awakened Wildwoods, and then you have all those frustrating moments in the game, you and your opponent, where you're trying to wiggle scenery around so you can slot in one of these Awakened Wildwoods that you sort of were integral to the way the army played, really. You used to be able to teleport around between Wildwoods. You could get defensive bonuses whilst you were within a Wildwood. You can use them for the site. They were a key part of the army, but they were very difficult and sort of, not just difficult, they were very unwieldy, I felt. Um, and... In some games, you couldn't even put one down and, you know, your army sort of really depended on them. So to tackle that, and we've often talked about, you know, how they would how they would sort of redo the, the whole Awakened Wildwood sort of thing for the Silver Death. And what they've done now is they've um, introduced this mechanic overgrown terrain feature. So like I said, at the start of the game, you pick three t- um, terrain pieces. They count as overgrown. There's lots of ways in this book to make other scenery pieces count as overgrown. Uh, to project overgrown um, sort of auras, so you're sort of replicating the effect of an overgrown terrain feature without actually having to place anything. Uh, the Lady of the Vines does that, and there's, there's other, the, the Kernoff do that as well, the Kernoff Hunters. Um, they basically function in exactly the same way as an Awakened Wildwood. So most of the things that trigger off of an Awakened Wildwood would also trigger off an overgrown terrain feature. So, for example, some of the other Allegiance abilities, like Walk the Hidden Paths, which is your once-per-turn one of your Sylvaneth units at the end of the movement phase can teleport between uh, one Awakened Wildwood to a different Awakened Wildwood or an Overgrown Terrain feature, um, which is great. All the spells, abilities, command traits, everything that would trigger off a, an Awakened Wildwood tends to trigger. I think there might be one or two things that call out Awakened Wild specifically, but not many of them, um, which I don't know about you guys, but I just think that's a great, great change for the Sylvaneth as well. Yeah, sounds a lot less fluff. Yeah. Um, you still get to place one of your Awakened Wildwoods. Tree Lord Ancients can still summon Awakened Wildwoods. You've still got the Verdant Blessing, is that I think the spell was, which lets you summon a, a, um, a um, Awakened Wildwood as well. But you don't need to anymore. You know, these overgrown terrain features do do just as good a trick as well, which is great. Um, you mentioned there weren't many changes for the Skaven in terms of they were just more like an updated version of the Battle Tome. And you touched on the Seasons of War, Dave. So these are... Um, Basically, when you build your army, you choose a glade they're from. So this is the sub-faction. They give different bonuses. The bonuses now are a bit smaller than they used to be. 
but they work in combination with these seasons of war. So you choose your army to belong to one of these seasons of war, the burgeoning, the reaping, the dwindling or Everdosk. And they give you some more substantial bonuses to your army. So, for example, the burgeoning would give every Sylvan F unit that is wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or a friendly awakened wildwood, a six plus ward save. So you pretty much get an army wide six plus ward save with that season of war in combination with your glade bonus, uh, which might be like winter leaf exploding sixes to hit. Um, there's some really good options there. I think my favourite is the reaping, which just gives you even more coverage. So basically says you add three inches to the range within which you can pick friendly Sylvaneth units with the place of power and from the wildwood uh, woodland depths battle traits. So these are this just basically extends that range of all of your terrain features on the board that's as well. That's crazy so, good. Yeah, I, I, that's my favourite. I think it just gives you so much flexibility. Considering you can teleport between the wards, you can strike and fade back to a ward. You get. Um, bonuses for being near wards you get ward saves for being near wards your, your units get better basically if they're fighting near a, should there be a wood one. save a wood, yeah <laughs> a wood save why didn't I put that in the article Matt <laughs> that would have been a good one that um, so yeah so we've got the full review up on the um, on the um, website which we go through all of the war scrolls we go through the path to glory we go through all of the glades and things like that I'm not going to go through that here because you know we'd be talking for ages well, what I think I will do is I want to talk about how I think the army might play in the new season. So, Matt, do you want to just give us a quick 30-second recap of what the new season of Age of Sigmar is all about? Yeah. In terms so, of your different troop choices and things. So, obviously, we, yeah, we've moved to a new season. We've got six monthly seasons now. Where the aim is that they shift up the meta, as the cool kids would say, uh, and change how different units interact with the game. So the previous season was very monster-based. A lot of your battle uh, kind of your tactics and grand strategies were based around monsters. So that's shifted now. We're in the realm of Galay, the splintered land, full of filthy, horrible spiders, and a lot of it's underground. So due to this, infantry uh, are more advantageous in a fight. So everything that is a battle line unit, and that, that's key because you could have infantry that isn't battle line with a wounds characteristic of four or, four or less and doesn't have mounts has the Galician Veterans keyword. That keyword interacts with a lot of stuff within the book. The person going second each battle round picks an objective that only Galician Veterans can hold. So nothing else can hold it. Um, and Galician Veterans within a half inch of another Galician Veteran can attack a model within half of that which is a long-winded way of saying basically all your one inch range weapons uh can now reach even if you've got a base bigger than an inch which is great um that's all on your galician veterans there's a spell gaze of gear which halves the number of models that a unit counts with for the purposes of objectives and there's a realm command that does damage to units of infantry so it's all about fighting kind of infantry units there's new two new core battalions that have been added to the game. Expert Conquerors, which can only be taken by Galician veterans. And for the purposes of objectives, Galician veterans count as three models. Again, that's massive. However, as the kind of counter to that, the Bounty Hunter core battalion exists now. Uh, you pick three um, troops choices. They get plus one damage against Galician veterans. So, yeah, lots of stuff that interacts with it. A lot of the actual missions interact with the Galician veterans, but I think it's probably just worth running through quickly some of the grand strategies and battle tactics. So in the past, you often took in most of your armies, Jay, the one where a wizard survives to win mm -hmm. your grand strategy. And there's yeah. lots of simple ones like that. They've all changed now. You've got no place for the weak. You have to kill all the battle line in your opponent's army. Tame the land. 
uh, control all objectives on the battlefield outside of your territory. Hmm. You've got to defend what's ours. Uh, you can completely advance strategy if there's no enemy units within your territory. Take what's theirs. There's more friendly units and enemy in your opponent's territory. Demonstration of strength. Three or more Galician veterans from your army on the battlefield. And show of dominance, Galician veterans in every quarter of the battlefield. So, Jay, already I'm seeing a few in there that would be go-to choices for the Sylvaneth. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that that's the other. The, the healing is a big thing for the Sylvaneth. And mobility is a big thing for the Sylvaneth. So you can definitely move your units into different parts of the board to, to, to cap, uh, capitalise on some of those grand strategies for, for sure. The the manoeuvrability of the Sylvaneth has not diminished at all in this book. It, it is still fantastic. I would argue, actually, they're more mobile now than they've ever been because they've got this yeah. strike and fade rule, which allows them to, to teleport away from combat after they've hit, before the enemy even gets a chance to hit you. So you can charge in with some Spike Rider Lancers or Kurnoff Hunters, swing, do a ton of damage, teleport to, to the other side of the board to, to secure that grand strategy at the, in the last turn. Um, so, so that's really cool. But um, I think yeah, um, t- tame the land seems like a good one because you've got on average what seven pieces of scenery on the battlefield. So that, on an average day, you can have two in each deployment zone and three in no man's land. You get to pick three pieces to be overgrown at the start of the game, Jay, and you can teleport out, to them potentially outside of enemy territory. Yeah. So that to. that objective then, tame the land, control all the objectives on the battlefield that are outside of enemy territory. Having those things nearby that you can just teleport to and get them is going to be so big, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, it, it's great. Yeah, um, they've got so many options for. So you, you know, you've got a you've got a couple there. You can. It basically gives you the flexibility to look at your opponent, and you know, if you've got the mirror match, maybe you might want to choose a different one. It's great to have a, a choice. Like you say with the Luminef, I always picked Price Sorcery or whatever it was called. There was no other really that I could try and achieve. Whereas with the Sylvanef now and, and this new season, you've definitely got more options. Um, so, but do we quickly want to go through the battle tactics as well, because I think you've got some tools for those as well. So we've got gaining momentum, pick an enemy unit on the battlefield. You complete this tactic if the unit is destroyed and you control more objectives than your opponent. Uh, an eye for an eye. If one of your units was killed last turn and you kill one of their units this turn, you complete it. Desecrate their lands. Pick a terrain feature that is partially or wholly within opponent's territory. You complete it if you control it by the end of the turn. This one's mine. Pick a unit on the battlefield. You complete it if it was destroyed by your general. Head to head. Pick a Galician veteran unit on the battlefield. You complete it if it was destroyed by a friendly Galician veteran unit. Out muscle. Pick an enemy Galician veteran unit that has any models contesting an objective. You complete it if no models from that unit are contesting the objective at the end of the turn. So you've got to kill them, basically. Uh, against the odds, pick a unit from your starting army on the battlefield. You complete the battle tactic if at the end of your turn, any models from that unit are contesting the objective you control and the objective is not contested by Galician veterans. And finally, barge through enemy lines. You complete the battle tactic if there are two or more units from your starting army wholly within your opponent's territory. And if they're Galician veterans, you get an additional victory point. So again, I think there's lots of them that the new Sylvaneth can do relatively easily. Yeah. Uh, and, and add them as well to the 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 five or six you get in the silver book itself, and I think you, you're going to have options every turn, which is great, great, great position to be in. I think in any game. <clears throat> as, as far as Galician veterans go, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's there's mixed thoughts online. I guess people haven't managed to have any games with this. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't there? Because there's a lot of objectives that play around that, and obviously they are strong. You put them in that battalion, they count as three models, but also a careless Galician veteran unit is 
potentially giving away a lot of these battle tactics as well. And you've got lots of mounted characters and things like Colonel Hunters that sit outside of that Galician veteran bracket, haven't you? Well, this this is it. I, I was going to come on to this. So I, I, I think, yeah, you've got to be careful because um, if you've got that four wounds or less infantry battle line in your army, the, the Galician veterans, and they, you are opening yourself up, that Bounty Hunters battalion is very, very strong, I think, because some of the actual battle plans themselves as well award extra victory points for slaying Galician veterans. So it can be a bit of a liability, I think, to build an army with lots of Galician veterans units in. Now, with the Sylvaneth, you get so many battle line options. So you can take Tree Lord battle line, for example, which would have been great last season, maybe not so great this season. But the Sylvaneth have got lots of five wounds or more battle line options. So you mentioned Kernel Hunters there, Matt. So you can build an army with Kernel Hunters filling your battle line, which means you're not presenting any Galician veteran units to your opponent. So straight away you're denying your opponent that though those uh, potential victory points there for slaying Galician veterans. And what you can do with Kernel Hunters is you put them in that bounty hunter battalion and they become absolutely terrifying. I I I I, I couldn't have asked for a more deadly war scroll for the Kernel Hunters, really. Um so mm-hmm. your basic Kernel Hunter, if we look at the two melee versions, because I think the range version's okay, but the two melee versions really are where it's at. And if we look at the scythe version, which is my favourite. Um, so a Kernel Hunter has five wounds, Bravery seven, a three plus save base, um, and each of them get three attacks, hitting on threes, wounding on threes, rend minus three, damage two. So that's your base sort of stat line at range two. So I would take a unit of six of these in a Bounty Hunter battalion. Um, you can quite easily, very, very, very easily get these guys to two plus to hit two plus to wounds. In fact, you can get them to one plus to wounds. You can you can stack the plus two to wounds. Obviously, it caps, but it gives you that advantage if anyone's got a minus one to wound. So you can get these reliably two plus to hit, two plus to wound. Um, you can give them reliably extra attacks. The Arch Revenant is a, a hero option for the Silver Nerf, who has been improved as well and is an auto-take, I think, in any Sylvan farming. A fantastic force multiplier for the Arch Revenant comboed with these Kernel Hunters. Then when you think these Kernel Hunters are, oh, they've got five wounds, they're tough to take down. You know, all that defense on them, they're a two plus save. They've got potentially a six plus ward save in some of the glades. If they've got a Lady of the Vines next to them, they've got a five plus ward save. Um, they're also healing every turn, potentially, if they're next to Awakened Wildwood. And if they're contesting an uh, or overgrown terrain feature, they've got a really cool rule, Envoys of the Everqueen. If they're contesting an objective, they project a six inch aura around themselves, which counts as overgrown terrain. So they're, they're oh, automatically cool. healing one wound a turn. You've got spells, regrowth, which heals. You've got, there's one, is it a virtuous bounty, I think it's called, returns a model. You have a unit of revenant seekers behind them, returns a model. It, it, these kernel hunters, six of them, 30 wounds, two plus armor save, hitting on twos, wounded on twos, a bazillion damage free attacks, rend free in a bounty plus, hunter. Yeah, yeah. I just think that it's 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 a bonkersly strong unit, and they're only 250 points. They're not expensive at all. They can be your battle line in the Heartwood Army, um, which I, I I think in this season they're gonna they're gonna be mincing through any Galician veteran. And yeah, you're right. You know, Galician veterans, you might want to look to include some of the, them in your army, but you've got to keep them safe. You've got to keep them away from units like Kernoff Hunters who are in a bounty hunter because you're just going to be giving victory points away and you're not going to be able to achieve your own sort of victory points that you want to try and collect. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the downside is obviously the person going second picks the objective that you can't control. But thinking about it, you just go for the other five with your mobility and you just sacrifice that one. Yeah, or you, yeah, you do that, or you, you know they can. They, they, I can't control it, but 
the enemy can't control it either if I kill all their Galician veterans. So, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think Kernoff Hunters, an Arch Reverend, a Lady of the Vines, I would put in their way for, as well for that extra survivability. She's a great character anyway. Uh, she casts two spells a turn. She's got some really cool abilities. Uh, she, she projects a, an aura of overgrown terrain around her as well. And she's giving you that five plus ward save. With some Kernoff Hunters and some Revenant Seekers and an Arch Revenant, poof. I don't think you need any Galician veterans in a Sylvanef army. Um, so, so I expect that. I, I don't know. We've not used them yet. It'd be interesting to use them in a few games. But looking at it, I can't see anything wrong with their War Scroll. You know, I can't see any weakness. <laughs> they're, they're resilient. They heal. They get a bunch of attacks. They're Ren minus three. They're hitting on twos, wounded on twos, damage free. The battle line. <laughs> and more importantly, it gives you a different look for your army as well. I'm all about the aesthetics of an army. And the Dryads, I was never a massive fan of. But an army built around those Colonel Hunters just looks cool on the battlefield. Colonel Hunters and Bugs, I think I'd go for for looks. And luckily, that looks like a pretty strong army, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah, it does. So the Bugs themselves, these are the new units, and these are really nice. So you've got the Spike Rider Lances, which I think they're like your shock cavalry. They're very mobile, and they hit very hard. And... I, I, it would be nice to include a unit of them. I, I think you're going to be treading on the Colonel Hunter's toes there. They're very fast. Um, so I think I think there's probably room for for a unit of them. But I think the real real winners are these Revenant Seekers, which are only slightly slower than the Spike Rider Lancers and only slightly less damaging. But they've got that Harvesters of the Lamentary rule, which allows them to, you know, if you've got two units of these and two units of Colonel Hunters, every turn these guys are bringing a Colonel Hunter back. And if you've got like a unit of six Kernoff Hunters, there's no way the enemy are gonna gonna be able to chew through those six. They, well, they're gonna have to pull something special out to try and destroy a unit of six Kernoff Hunters, I think. Um, and these guys just bring them back, and then you know you've got a caster sitting behind them who brings another one back, so you're bringing two back a turn and healing the rest. <laughs> what's your um, what's your anti magic like? Obviously, I'll only touch on it briefly because it is in the video, but a lot of the endless spells have changed in this season as well. So um, something something that's worth mentioning because you've got a lot of shoot, shooting units that could potentially hide behind scenery. The new prismatic palisade just turns off shooting within six inches, and then that extends by three inches every turn. That's pretty scary. If you've got a way of teleporting a caster to drop that in the middle of a load of lumineth, that's going to kiss their battle plans goodnight. The one that could potentially hurt Colonel Hunters though is the purple son of Shaish. So it's got a six inch minus one to, one save or around it. That's pretty cool in itself. However, after it moves, uh, you roll a dice for every unit within three inches, and on a one, a model is slain. Yeah, that that hurts. I mean, that's it. If you've got elite infantry with five wounds, that's that does hurt you, doesn't it? But you've got some magic defense, haven't you? Yeah, well, I mean, that's it. You've got a couple of caster options. You've got Alariel herself. You've got the Warsong Revenant. Um, you've got the Tree Lord Ancient and the Branch Witch. And the Lady of Vines. Now, the Lady of Vines, I think, is really real. She's the new character. She's a two-caster, two-unbinder. So there's no plus-to-caster or plus-to-unbind natively in any of this book. I think there are some cool artifacts which allow you to, you know, boost your casting. I think one of the Glades as well boosts your casting a little bit. But obviously, they're, they're not at the luminous scale of magical mastery here. So you will have to be careful about, you know, um, working around those endless spells that you mentioned there. Um the, the Tree Lord Ancient, really, it's a shame. This is probably the most disappointing War Scroll in the book, actually. So he is a wizard, but he can only cast one spell and unbind one spell. And there's nothing really exciting about him. I was hoping that um, 
you would get a bit of love actually because he's an expensive model. Um, but I, I can't really see myself including him. Um, you can and take the, a better line, but again, arguably that would have been better last season. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he used to have a really cool command ability as well, which would sort of increase the defenses of your silver farming, but that that's disappeared off the war scroll as well. There's nothing really to to, to make me want to play a tree lord ancient um, out, you know, in a match play game certainly. Uh, not when you've got units like the Warsong Revenant or the Lady of the Vines, which are similar points and are just much better. Um, so yeah, so so I mean that's it. That's that's how I think the Sylvanef book will will work in the new season. I'm really excited to try them out. I think they've got a real good chance at competing quite well in this new season. Um, and arguably last season as well, but uh, obviously they, they, they missed the boat there. Um, yeah. What's the Crusade content like? We obviously we've had some mixed Crusade content for some armies. Uh, Path to Glory, sorry. Um, in my opinion, it's not that exciting. I mean, I don't know. Compared to the 40k Crusade stuff, which I think is great, I think some of the Age of Sigmar Path to Glory stuff is a bit lackluster. isn't it? Yeah. And there's nothing here that really makes me want to play a Path to Glory with a Sylvanus. So the idea is, is that rather than like a Stronghold, you have a Wildwood that you're growing. Um, you've got various quests you can go on, um, which... You know, there's a bit of fluff at the top, but ultimately it boils down to to different um, um, veteran abilities and upgrades for your units. Nothing really exciting. Um, one thing that is quite cool though is you get um, you can unlock a um, a special um, battle plan. So um, you have to basically fight um, with your army through the four seasons, and then you unlock a special battle plan, Awaken the Groves. Um, and this battle plan has um, unique rules. Um, for the different factions that are playing and also some unique rewards as well um, which I thought oh that's great so I had to read through um, and the unique rewards are you know pretty pretty standard so you know you get extra renown points for your army or um, you get extra glory for your army and I'm like oh, okay yeah it, it, it seems a bit cookie cutter if you know what I mean like yeah, any of these yeah. rewards can apply to any any army um, but it'll be interesting to see how this it's a good start. I, I think what we need is a Patagonia supplement, don't we? Like we got for you know the Crusade content. For, well, we for had Thundia. one, didn't yeah. we, with uh, well, Thundia? The, the Realm books, the Thundia one, yeah, and that had the Anvil of Apotheosis. Now, without the way, I imagine because I imagine we'll get a Gal- Galay um, source book as well. Which since Anvil of Apotheosis is out of the way, they can probably dedicate a lot of that narrative section to more Path to Glory stuff. So I think it will find its footing. It's just get into that next supplement isn't do, it do you know when i was doing the skaven review and i, I did enjoy the path to glory content although there's like you said jay there's a real lack of like mechanics and rules and um, they do put a lot of effort into like the uh, the territories and what i would really like them to do and they did try this before with in second edition it might have been first edition they did like um an expansion which had maps and stuff and uh, I'd like to see them expand that and make the most of these territories that you have in in Sigma. Yeah, you know what? And I think I think um, the events team are going to do their Path to Glory event like this. Spoilers if it's not been announced, but I think that's what the intent is. But a, a kind of a, a product where you've got a, a, a map of, for argument's sake, let's say Galley, because that's where we are. And you've got hexes and you can control the the different territories. Something a bit more tangible and interesting. It's like with Necromunda, we're starting the campaign. Yeah. We've got all the different cards for the roads. That would be really, really good because you can have, you know, minor, minor bonuses. That's fine because it makes the game, you know, 
work well. You haven't got the random power spikes that you can sometimes get in Crusade if you've got people playing it the wrong way. Um, but so yeah, a tangible map with little handouts and stuff. We'd be able to do that, and it's exactly the same thing, but it's more fun because all the players can see you battling over these different territories. I think that'd be really cool. Without giving too much away, um, for the past couple of weeks, I've been playing around with hex maps and stuff for a, a 40k Ooh. crusade thing for the future but uh, that's that's for that's for future times and that's 40k but shh, we'll talk about that at some point in the future excellent stuff so so overall jay i, I think we can, can quite rightly say you've enjoyed this book yeah i really enjoyed it the next stage sigma battle we have i will be using this book i've got a load of kernel off hunters already i'm gonna i think i've got Three with scythes. I want six with scythes. So I need to paint up another unit of Kernel Hunters and pick up some of these bugs as well, because these bugs are just nice mm-hmm. models. Um, and yeah, we'll get them to the table and, and give them some games and try out this new season. Cool. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So um, Jay has done uh, a fully uh, written up review over on the website. The links will be in the podcast notes, so you can check that out at your own leisure. Um, and our thanks again to Games Workshop for not only sending us a Silver and F Battle Team, but also sending us one for the Skaven as well. And the General's Handbook Pitch Battles 2022-23 Season 1. That of rolls course. off the tongue. Of course. <laughs> uh, Matt's done a, an excellent write-up for that as well. Again, guess where you can find that? Over on the website. You can check that out. And you also did one for 40k as well, didn't you? You did the I did, yeah. We, it's, been a bumper, it's been a bumpy yeah. week, yeah. yeah. So it's all, it's all either on the the site or the the youtube because i couldn't clone myself to also write one for everything unfortunately there you go so you can check those out at your own leisure you know we're, we're getting towards the end of this week's podcast but we do have um our top three to chat about and that's coming up next The summer is fast approaching and it's that time of year when we all think about getting away. I on a city break, maybe we'll jump on a plane and go somewhere nice and tropical. Um, so for this week's top three, we're going to be talking about the top three realms within the mortal realms we'd like to go on holiday in. Um, I'm going to start us off this week um, with my top three. It's quite, quite a fun one. Um, my third choice is quite a boring one. But this is more for, like, sightseeing, I guess. Uh, and that is Azir, the realm of the heavens, the celestial realm, the home to the Stormcast Eternals. I think um, the architecture would be very nice to check out. <laughs> uh, I think it would definitely be one of the more comfortable places to stay in the mortal realms. Um, you know, you can imagine, you, you know, there'd the be you know maybe not hotels but you can imagine there would be more home comfort in in azir than some of the other realms um so yeah that that was my third choice uh azir you'd for, be, you'd for be a point out with the banging on that realm gate there wouldn't you that Probably is true points. <laughs> that is true that is true um but i definitely still think you get a more comfortable night's sleep there um, and some of my other choices so that's my sightseeing one so if i wanted to go on like a, a city break it would be a zir if i wanted to go and get a tan <laughs> if i wanted somewhere where i can go and sunbathe then i would probably take a trip to i can never pronounce it akashi actually the realm of fire i mean you might get more than a tan you know you might come back tinged or burn completely burn but that is definitely the realm that you want to go to if you want to come back and show off a bit of a tan to your friends do you think, um, do you think that's their uh, advertising campaign actually 
the wrong with fire you might get more than a tan yeah it could be it could be uh, you know they can borrow that if they like um <laughs> so so yeah i think that's um pr- this is what i mean by it. it's probably not the most comfortable i mean it's been pretty hot here uh, in the uk the past couple of nights so i'm not slept very well so perhaps it's not the kind of uh a, a holiday to kind of relax but at least i come back a different color um to finish off my top three i would have more calm a more calming place to go to a bit more tranquil um, I was thinking Gur, but I was thinking all those beasts roaming around, that's not very tranquil. So um, ignoring the Nurgle presence there, I've gone for Gairan as my top choice. A bit more of a, uh, a jungle, maybe like a safari kind of holiday. Um, you know, Alariel, she's a bit calm, isn't she? She's, uh, she's nope, a not bit anymore. Not, not anymore. <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't remember what aspect she's at the moment, but it's the aspect of war. Oh, well, maybe. I mean, she chopped off her right arm, Dave, to create a new lieutenant to go to battle. That's her That's state really of mind. not a great <laughs> sign, is it? <laughs> um, still, I bet it's quite a nice realm to go in, stay in, you know, take a tent. Just don't take an right. axe. Just don't take an axe or a beard. Um, you'll be fine. Don't be short. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's my top choice, Guy Ran. Um, Jay, what's your top three? Um, there's lots of places to go in the mortal realms. There's even realms in between realms in the mortal realms to go and visit. Yeah. Um, I think the first place I'll probably go to is Olgu to find out where the shadow elves are, um, <laughs> because I'd like to see some models in a battle tome one day. Um, so I'll go to Olgu. 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 I'll go to Olgu. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I won't stay very long and I'd make sure I'd take friends with me it's not the kind of place you want to get sort of stuck on your own at night is no, it again? Bring a absolutely not. yeah that's it um, the second place I'd like to go and I'm not actually sure which mortal realm this is in I want to say the realm of metal but I could be wrong is there must be there must be somewhere out there in the mortal realms um, a, a new version of, of the famous uh, Bugman's Brewery where does that <gasps> exist oh Jay what a shout so yeah I'm assuming the realm of metal, but I could be wrong. If there's any well, listeners there is, out there, there is, who... there is a bookman. There is a bookman in the mortal realms, isn't there? I assume yeah, from uh, Shaman, because that's where the Caradrons and Fire Slayers and to hang out at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, so it'd be like a bit of a backstop to, uh, <laughs> backpack tour to try and find the bookman's brewery, like a like a, a, a pub crawl, I guess, through the mortal realms. A pub yeah. crawl through the mortal realm. <laughs> Please, can that be a future path to glory supplement? <laughs> Jay, you've completely stolen what should have been my top top pick. <laughs> Bugman's Brewery. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for my my final uh, place in the mortal room, uh, blah, 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 I can't even talk properly today. I'm so excited about going on holiday. <laughs> um, it would have to be to the realm of Heesh. It would have to be to the realm of Heesh. So we've been to Orgu. We've had a look for Malarian and the Shadow Elves. Now I'm off to Heesh to find the proper elves, Tyrion. The and these uh, and these hosts. Um, so the realm of light looks like quite a nice place to go. There's some areas you want to avoid. I think there's a few there's a few um, places where some zombies and undead sort of hang out. Stay away from those areas. Um, there's a there's a nice mountain range, but don't go into it because I, I believe there's some um, flesh eater courts that that live there. So stay away from the mountain ranges. Um, also, you don't want to go too near the edge of the realm of light because you'll get um, um, vaporized into um, well, what happened to your friend Archon, Dave? Uh, he's still alive and kicking, isn't he, Jay? I no, no, he's, he's not. He's in... not. He's no, 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 I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he, I heard he, he was, was chilling. Death, 
he completely ceased to exist. It was like it was incredible reading about that. So stay away from the edge of the realm of light. Um, but I think there's plenty of places there to uh, to enjoy yourself. Okay, that leaves uh, that leaves you, Matt. What what was your uh, top three vacation spots in the morning? Well, see, I've got I've got more like kind of specific sites seeing the new guys there's lots okay, of okay. cool places i'd like to visit within the more realm so first of all there's harkuron the city formerly known as Amvalgard. how cool would that be there's there's like pirates there's spooky fogs admittedly it has been <laughs> Did you say spooky frogs spooky fogs there may be spooky frogs i cannot confirm or deny this um yeah it'd be cool it'd be cool wouldn't it now unfortunately it has been annexed by um Marathi Kane, the Shadow Queen herself, and most of the non-elves were murdered, which is a little bit racist, but you know, we'll go with it. I'm not going to argue with her. Um, so if you haven't got pointy ears, you're probably going to get some dirty looks walking through the sites, the streets of Haku Run. But they have got like fighting pits, that'd be exciting. You um, go in with a tether and, and just get it nicked within seconds. Oh, absolutely, and then murdered. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Harkuron, I think it'd be cool. Um, make sure you bring some fake pointy ears, otherwise you might be brutally murdered in your sleep. But there are pirates, then. Pirates are cool. Um, so my second choice, my second choice is somewhere equally dangerous, but somewhere equally cool. The Varenspire, at the heart of the eight points. Why go to one realm when you can go to all of the realms, apart from Azir, because the gate's locked, but Archeon's working on that. He'll get it open in no time. By the time fourth edition rolls round, that gate will be wide open. We'll be marching on his ear. It'll be fine. Uh, but you think, you know, you've got the, the, the architecture of a massive, imposing citadel. Yes, it's probably filled with Varangard. And yes, they probably don't take too kindly to you walking around taking pictures of it. But uh, <laughs> it'd be cool to go there. Don't touch any Varanite because you'll probably turn into a horrific chaos spawn <laughs> unless you want to do that in which case go ahead drink the stuff it will be fine um don't go near any mining equipment as well they use uh, demon infused uh, jcbs to to do like work the chaos dwarves are into that kind of stuff so yeah on second thoughts it's a bit dangerous bring a guard with you it'll be fine and then my final choice i thought we'll go somewhere special for dave dave gets a lot of stick on this podcast and there's a lot, I get of, a lot of stick in life, Matt, in <laughs> life. So, some, would, some would say bullying. I'd say banter, as the kids would say. <laughs> and I think, Dave, we've, we've, we've picked on you long enough for your various armies that you're wiped out in, like all the books that I... I, I whenever I review a book, one of Dave's armies seems to get wiped out. That's just the way it goes. Sucks to be you. So I thought we'd go, we'd go on a tour to somewhere that is probably very, very close to, to Dave's heart. And I thought, Vindicarum. The capital city of the celestial vindicators. Now, <laughs> if you don't like the sun, the sunshine, and you tan easily, that's fine. It's entirely dark after Balakor opened a storm of chaos above the city. Um, admittedly, it. there's probably not much of the city left after Balakor and his demonic hordes besieged it, but it looked cool. There's probably some bloodletters hanging around. They're pretty cool. There's probably not many Celestial Vindicators hanging around, unfortunately, because most of them are dead. But, you know, them's the breaks in Shaman, the realm of metal. So, you know, there's lots of precious materials there. There'll be some, like, Caradrons there. We probably steer far away from 
Vindicarum because it's filled with like demons and stuff, and you probably really don't want to go there. But it'll be fine. We're going there, day for your birthday. <laughs> Great. Well, I look forward to it. I think Matt's made his top three top three places you're likely to get murdered. Um, it really is. It really is. But there you go. There you go. And um, so there are top three choices. That leaves just one segment and one question left to ask. It's time for the community top three, and that's coming up next. It is sadly time for the final part of this week's podcast, and it's time to check out the community top three choices. So, what do we have over on Twitter, Matt? Well, I feel like I'm doing like a Lonely Planet guide for the Mortal Realms here, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so D Porter says, Argent Falls in the realm of Shaman. Shaman! It is great for postcard views. Uh, Sigmaron mm. in the realm of Vizier. Great for the latest weapon releases. Yeah, pretty cool. And then I'm not too happy about this one. The Umbral Deeps in the realm of Orgu. See where Archeon was beaten. Beaten! <laughs> Outrageous behaviour, Deporter. Uh, Anonymous Rex says Barak Urbaz. Uh, is that a yeah. Caradron one? I want to say. Yeah, Caradron it is. City? It's a Skyport. Skyport. Skyport yeah. yeah. Skyport would be a cool one to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Another one I should have had in my top three. Yeah. Uh, the the Great Parch, and then number one was the Cities of Dawn. Um, I forget. Is that the one that's pretty much Dalaran? from warcraft where the um the lumineth are teaching the humans how to do magic-y stuff oh no that's settler's gain oh settler's gain oh, i don't know i don't know what the city of dawn is no, I'm not to, sure the city dawn. it sounds like a place that would be in the realm of heath though doesn't it it does yeah it does uh ulf kywin says if you come into the great parch you must visit vorsprang's bridge a small chest of gold and a bodyguard of a hundred men is all you need to enjoy our city See the spot <laughs> that used to be the 117th wonder of Akshi. That is brilliant. I assume that's from some kind of narrative campaign that they've done. They've even got a little map that is that oh, is phenomenal. That's excellent. And on a um on a on a similar theme, uh, Phil D, who I think was um part of the Whitney Warhammer narrative tournament that i saw on twitter and i'm like this is a great idea he had little kind of trinkets that kind of you got over the course of the weekend and yeah it looked really cool but he said if you come to actually this is the place to be wittenhoff by the sea wittenhoff by the sea <laughs> yeah it looks it looks delightful so yeah we should we should do some kind of a narrative event with some maps and stuff and make up a little region of the mortal realm it's a big place there's lots of places off the beaten track that you probably don't read about in any of the the books oh. but definitely do exist and would exist on our own little microcosm yeah, yeah absolutely i think that'd be really really fun really really fun uh that just leaves us to ask one more question for you matt what is next week's top three well, next week we have got the long-awaited arrival of the Chaos Space Marine Codex, and some would assume that maybe some dark packs have been made in order to see its release. So, next week, I want to know the top three things you would ask for in a deal with the Chaos Gods. Keep it clean, please, if you could. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I, I feel Jay may have like some kind of moral objection I'm, to answering I'm, this one next week. I am. I'm getting all nervous now. just thinking about it. Can you, can you ask the Chaos Gods to, to destroy themselves? Is, would that be a valid gift? I'm, destroy each other, it. maybe. Destroy each other, maybe. Uh, Jay's suddenly going to find himself doing some overtime next week, uh, and he'll miss the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, this is a little chink in your armour that leads to your corruption, isn't it, Jay? <laughs> That's where it all starts. Excellent. You can get your tweets in early via our social media channels. Uh, alternatively, we will be putting the question out on the Sunday or Monday next week uh, before we record the next episode. Um, now, excitingly, next week on next week's show, we will be chatting about how we get on at the doubles event. Um, so, um, guys, I want to wish us all good luck now because uh by the next time we come to speak on this podcast we'll have come home and hopefully we'll revel in our glories i have we a feeling talk, that's... we talked about how we finished last place and second to last place which yeah. means that there is an element of competition here which spruce and bruise team <laughs> does the least worse yeah well i'm hoping that we'll our two teams will will clash on the bottom table at some point during those two days game One five spruce versus bruise bottom table the only fight that matters over the entire weekend absolutely <laughs> absolutely so uh, until next week i hope you all have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon bye 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 thanks for listening to the spruce and bruise podcast for more content remember to check out spruceandbruise.com and if you'd like to get in touch with us send us a tweet at spruce and bruise or head over to facebook.com forward slash sprues and brews.